From Real Ghost Stories Online.com. Welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Oh, group therapy for the paranormally affected. That's uh, kind of our slogan here at the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for writing in your stories. Thank you for subscribing to our show. Thank you for all the support that you've been giving us. It uh, helps us a great deal and helps us deliver a better show to you. Every single day we put one out here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you've not done so yet, please press that subscribe button. That will uh, will definitely uh, help us and help you. You'll get every single episode as they come out, and it helps us uh, climb those charts and helps other folks find out about the show. If you want the bonus episode that we're giving away right now, all you have to do is uh, very simply just uh, give us some love on iTunes. Give us a review there, and then email me. The username you used, you email Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com, and I'll reply back personally with a link to that bonus episode. It's that easy. On today's episode, some more follow-up for uh, Richard in uh, Chattanooga, and a whole bunch of follow-up on a lot of things we've talked about, a whole bunch of calls. You know the drill. That's what we do here at Real Ghost Stories Online. To start out, got a letter from Ed. Ed says, now you've jerk jokingly uh, mentioned Ghost in a Jar on several of your podcasts. Yeah. Which I think could be something that could be marketable and someone could sell it. Um, well, it turns out uh, someone already is doing this. He actually sent me a picture. It's called My Pet Ghost, and he believes it's a Hallmark product. And it, uh, it looks like, a, I mean, it's like a fun, friendly, Casper-esque looking ghost in a jar. Like something a teacher would keep on their desk yeah, for a decoration. Pretty much. It's okay. not like, you know, it's not like somebody went into, you know, Amityville and conjured something up and put it in a jar and was selling it. It's not like the doll lady. No, it's not like the doll lady okay. selling God knows what spirits. Um, but still, kind of, uh, you know, along the ghost in the jar lines. I mean, because in all seriousness, you're not really able to jar ghosts, but on a cutesy level, somebody already has. Aww. So, that's cute. There you go. Ghost in a Jar does already exist. So I uh, thank you for uh, for sharing that uh, with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Lots of folks have been asking too, like, you know, you guys you do a lot of follow-up and talking about things uh, from, from recent episodes and past episodes and such. Uh, how do I uh, how do I uh, get in on that with you guys? Uh, well, it's really quite simple. All you have to do is just uh, write into us, and you can either just uh, do it through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com by emailing Tony at realghoststoriesonline.com or on our YouTube page. Lots of discussion goes on there uh, between a lot of our viewers. So even if you are a listener on iTunes or Stitcher, feel free to uh, to join into that discussion uh, on the uh, the YouTube channel because. Lots and lots of uh, going back and forth and ideas being shared, uh, even outside of the show. We just kind of go through and pick and choose the best we we can to put onto the show. Uh, but uh, that's where a lot of the uh, the discussion uh, is happening uh, off the air. Uh, another letter that we got in. Uh, Ty, Tony, and Jenny really enjoy your show. I listen uh, to it while I'm working. My heart is just breaking for the guy who called in twice whose home seems to be inhabited by a demonic force. I wanted to say that recently I read a book and I thought of you while I was reading it the whole time. I know you guys would really like it. It's written by Bob Kramer, who's a former political guide in uh, uh, a political figure in Pennsylvania, and it seems to be very credible. When the man who called into your show was telling the story about his home, I really felt my, in my heart that I should recommend that he reads this book. Bob Kramer also lived in a home with an oppressive force that affected him and his family's mental health 
especially his children. He also had it blessed many times with no changes, but he was determined to claim his home and clear it. The book is all about the battle to reclaim his home. It's a very good read. It could be helpful to your caller. Uh, the link for the book uh, is uh, demonofbrownsville.com. So demonofbrownsville.com should take you to the uh, the place to get that book. I'm assuming that's the title of the book. Let me uh, let me just pull up that website here quickly. Uh, yes, the demon uh, the demon of Brownsville Road is the name of the actual book. Uh, and Bob uh, uh, Cranmer, I'm sorry, I said saying Kramer. Cranmer uh, is the uh, the author. Looks like a good book. Ooh, a Discovery Channel did a little feature on it looks like a while back on the exorcist files okay so there you go you think it could be a good source for him sure i mean I it, so. it sounds like it could be a you know someone who went through a, a similar situation yeah at least so kind of a, a guide it says uh he would also be uh, a great guest on your show uh by the way i don't know the author oh you don't know the author you just said who the author was Maybe it's about Bob Cranmer, oh, but written by somebody else uh, or with be. somebody else. Let me just look on the website. Written by Bob Cranmer, author and homeowner. So there we go. Okay. He is the author and homeowner. Maybe she's just unaware of that. Uh, I don't like to sound like a salesman trying to promote a book. Okay, you're not. Um, just providing some advice. Also wanted to share my humble opinion on something that comes up on your show a lot that might be uh, a different view than has been addressed. I do not believe that children can be lost souls or ghosts wandering the earth. Now, before I explain, I am not discounting uh, stories or people may receive visitations from lost loved ones. I think that's uh, something entirely different. I just cannot believe that a poor child who had died young would eternally be separated from other loved ones and left to roam the earth. How heartbreaking. I really believe that children are innocent and will be taken to heaven to be with God, be healed and with his love. Uh, from whatever kind of trauma they might experience on earth. Uh, when those are stories of little children, especially children from long ago, I feel like it could be a few different things. One, a demon distinguishing itself as a child. Two, some kind of uh, emotional echo from trauma that may have happened. Three, some other mystery that cannot be explained other than the human spirits, which is a, a misinterpretation of what's really happening. Or guardian angels. Just my opinion. Thought I'd share it because it's a perspective that I have not heard on the show. I'll be writing in to share my mother's stories of living in a haunted home in Covington, Kentucky. I want her uh, to tell it to me afresh so I can relay it correctly before doing so. Thank you so much for the show, you guys. would love to, uh, to hear that story. I got to disagree with her on her theory about the kids. Uh, I, I, it's a messed up, kooky world, is I guess the kindest way of putting it. Uh, and I don't think the paranormal world distinguishes or discriminates uh, for or against children. I think uh, children are just as likely as adults to end up being stuck in some sort of state of just being there. I don't think anyone's going and saying, oh, you're so innocent and cute. Why don't you go to heaven? Or you're a horrible, evil child. You're going to another place. Uh, I think... If, if for whatever reason, whatever reason it is that, that some seem to pass over and some don't, I think the same happens to kids. Um, and some are left being ghosts no, no matter what. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I, would, I agree with that. Unfortunately, I mean, I would, you know, it'd be nice to believe that 
you know, something would go, oh, you're all get a free pass when you're, you know, not tall enough to ride this ride. But I don't think that's how it works. No. You know, unfortunately. So got another letter here uh, about uh, Richard. I have emailed you uh, to before about someone else's problem. And uh, once again, I would suggest uh, this organization for Richard to contact with the haunting problem. I've not had to use it myself, but I've seen one of their priests interviewed and it was quite, I was quite impressed with their humble sincerity and wanting to help people. Please tell them to contact orderofexorcists.com. That's their website. You can go on their site, and uh, there is a place for him to request help. I believe they can help him, uh, and they have priests and other professionals to help in this area. Sincerely, Michelle King. So I know nothing about that group, uh, but uh, worth a shot, maybe? I think at I this know. point, it's all worth a shot. I can't endorse it or, or, or say you know yes or no, but... It's another resource for you there, uh, Richard. Uh, Landine writes in, Oh, holy cow, at the risk of sounding like some type of religious fanatic, which I'm not, by the way, in response to, I played with Ouija boards like forever. Uh, Has anyone ever thought, I wonder how many homes, families, people have been infested and not known it? I mean, if being a ghost or a demon or whatever else may be among us has plenty of fear and ugliness already present to feed upon, it wouldn't need to present itself, would it? Think about the abuse that hides in a dysfunctional home already. Drug, alcohol abuse, sexual, mental, emotional abuse that exists. Just pouring out a steady buffet to these things. Uh, kid hears things, sees things. What if mental health facilities are uh, busting at the seams with more haunted possession folks uh, than sick ones? What if? Surely someone else has thought of this, right? It's kind of overwhelming if you really just think about it. Maybe like the movie Constantine. Just saying. What if? Back to the show. Just took a break. Share my two cents. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a good bit of two cents there. I could see that being uh, the case in a lot of situations, and it completely gets overlooked and never noticed, and it just tears people apart, and that's it. Yeah. And it goes away, and nobody even thought to go, ah, I wonder if that has anything to do with that Ouija board I played with 10 years prior. <laughs> So. Yeah, or maybe not until they started listening to our constant yeah. rants on it. Do they yeah. put two and two together? Speaking of which, speaking of the Ouija board, okay, our uh, our friend who likes who who th- says the ones at Spencer's are a okay. The other ones, not so much. But the Spencer's, they actually wrote that right. Those are the word for words. The ones at Spencer's are okay. The other ones, not so much. A response to what we've been been talking about here. Okay. Wow. Hmm. Most people are fearful of the Ouija because they hear stories about it at, before exploring it themselves. It's 50-50 between people who forbid it and people who have fun playing it. Plus, if you do research on it, it actually isn't all that bad as you think. Really? I, mean, I think you did a little research on this. Uh, you can find the answers to anything you want. I mean, if you want to find good Ouija stories, I'm sure you can find good Ouija stories. But uh, I think your overwhelming amount of stories on this topic are not necessarily coming out good. Uh, However, beware of old Ouija boards. Never know what bad spirits are actually inside those ones. But yeah, the ones sold at toy stores or Spencer's are pretty fun. I like forcing friends to play it when they spout stories about how bad Ouija boards are. They actually end up having tons of fun. This person has no idea that it is not the Ouija board itself. It's not like... 
the ones at Spencer's are cleansed and you can use it safely. That's not and how it works. It's not about the history of the board either. I mean, you can make one on a back of a paper bag from Kroger right now and it will have be just as negative as one that you got out of Amityville. You know, it's not the board. No, it's not the board. The board doesn't hold the spirit. It's not it's not the board. I mean, we see them at the antique mall all the time and they are no safer or more dangerous than the brand new one at Toys R Us. It's it's kind of like saying um well, you know that that uh, that door frame that was at the uh, the prison camp, you know, is is much more dangerous than the door frame uh, in your house. The door frame has nothing to do with what's going in and out of that door frame. Right. It's the things that are going in and out of the door frame. So, I mean, you could take that door frame from the prison camp, put it in your house. You're not going to suddenly have prisoners in your home. You know, it's just like you're not going to take the door frame out of your home and, and put it in the prison camp and everyone's going to be not criminals. It's just a door frame. That's what a Ouija board is. So, I don't know. I'm giving up on that one, on explaining anymore, because I, I don't think we're going anywhere with it. I think it's a lost cause. So, uh, feel free to call back when uh, when you have uh, Lucifer hanging out in the uh, the basement, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you can share your stories. Then. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802. Let's go to a caller. Hi, you're on Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Kitty Land Love Fest in the Chicago area. I was, uh, I had called with all the cat ghost stories. And actually, the first one, the first experience was actually a dog, not a cat. But it was a chihuahua, so she's close enough to a cat. Um, I'm calling today, actually, to tell you about some daytime ghost stories that I've, or and ghosts that I've encountered. Um, none of them were creepy or anything, but the first, well, they were creepy enough because they were ghosts. Uh, the first one, I truly believe, was a ghost. I was um, leaving for work in the morning. It was about 7.30, and we live in what used to be a rural town for Chicago. Uh, it used to be farmland. And, of course, it's been incorporated into all the suburbs now, so it's no longer rural. But anyway, I was driving to work, and I saw this, um, well, it's a Polish town, and I'm Polish, so I saw this, looked like a busha walking down the streets. A busha is a Polish grandmother. Somebody's little busha, you know, short woman, you know, the sturdy shoes, heavy stockings, long coat. A long overcoat, you know, like down below the knees, and a babushka, some kind of colorful babushka. And she's walking along. I'm coming up behind her, and I notice as I pass her, you know, she's got this long switch, probably about three to four feet long. She's got a switch with her. And I'm looking, I'm driving past her, and I'm, then after I pass her up, I'm wondering, where the hell is she going? Because there's nowhere for her to go. It was like heading into this field from where all the houses were. And I look back, and she's gone. There's no one there. So I was talking to the neighbor about it, and she got a silly look on her face, and she said, oh, you have to tell my friend. So I tell her friend what I see, and she got she was startled. She was surprised. She said, you saw my grandmother. You saw my busha. And I said, well, what was she doing with the stick? She said she was going out to get the cows. She used to do that every morning. Go out, if they lived in that area, that's where she lived, and she would go out to get the cows in the morning to melt them. Uh, that was the first experience. The second experience I had 
was um, actually in the city, um, in the city of Chicago. I was driving down the street, relative side street kind of, and there was uh, along the whole sidewalk on the right side was this long brick wall. Not a building, but just a long brick wall, a fence, a brick fence actually is what it was, ultimately. Um, And this woman, now this is mid to late August in Chicago a couple of years ago, so it's hotter than Katy and humid, hotter than hell. And I see this woman, I'm assuming it was a woman, um, dressed in all black. Well, it looked, my first impression was that it was a woman in one of those burkas where you just have to look through the slits for the eyes. And my immediate thought was, holy crap, she's going to melt because it was ungodly hot. And I'm looking at her and then I'm looking closer and it seems to be wider at the top and like a draping coming down, uh, all black still. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell is she wearing? But I'm continuing to drive. And so I pass her up and then I'm looking in the mirror trying to figure out still what she's wearing and she's gone. Now there were cars parked alongside there. She may have gotten into a car, but it would have been awful quick. You couldn't maneuver that kind of clothing to get into a car that quick. And there were no doors along the wall, nothing. It was a solid brick wall. And as I'm driving along farther, I see placard on the side of the wall where it's a cemetery. My impression when I read that it was a cemetery was she was wearing like late 1800 morning wear. Whether that's what it was or not, I don't know. But I'd rather think that it was a woman in mourning than some black, ugly black thing, just black spirit thing walking down the sidewalk. So, well, those are my two daytime experiences, and I think we probably do see more ghosts if you're sensitive. You do see more during the daytime, and you just don't realize it. So, well, that's my story. I have more to tell, so I'll call back later. Thanks a lot. Bye. That was a good story. That was a good story. I could see that being rather confusing, and that's always weird when you think you see something and then you are not quite sure if it was something paranormal or not, and you're just kind of left with, I don't know. It does add to more questions, though, when you uh, come across it as being right by a cemetery. Um, I could see that being uh, rather uh, rather troubling. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story. 855-853-4802. Uh, Boyce writes in, and uh, this is, uh, I believe... Yes, this is the woman who who wrote in the other day and said that she, when she dies, she has a sense of humor about it. The elephant Elephant wants to be buried in the elephant suit. Uh, She said, I lived for 19 years on a farm, and it's best not to name animals that you plan to slaughter. It taints the flavor of the meat. Yes, that sounds odd, but I think you know what I mean. So... I like that. Uh, However, it uh, pays to develop a close relationship with such animals as herding dogs, guard dogs, and horses on whose backs you'll be riding as you are rounding up cattle. It is virtually impossible to become friends with barn cats as you're nearly feral. Uh, But uh, I can honestly say that I have deeply loved some of my dogs. One border collie 
uh, in particular. As for animals such as dairy cattle, it can go either way. If you have a large-scale operation, sheer volume will prevent any type of closeness. But if you're keeping uh, only one milk cow for the family or have a small micro-dairy, you can almost you almost can't help but develop a closeness to them. But they can also depend, uh, it can depend on the breed. We kept only a few jerseys and milk them by hand. And I might add, uh, jerseys stay around for a long time. Our neighbor had a full-scale dairy operation and kept Holsteins. Holsteins are bred for large bags with little time spent building the legs to support those bags and are therefore only good for production for a few years. With the volume and lack of time spent with them, there's little to no relationship developed. However, my sense of humor, twisted as it might be, lent itself to uh, need to name my chickens. I raised Dominickers. Uh, They are a large breed, good for their meat, but also fairly prolific laying hen. Uh, You usually kill the pullets for the meat, so again, little time to develop a relationship. That's why I named them things like fried and dumplings and noodles and cordon bleu and, of course, fricassee. On occasion, you can uh, also have a Kiev and a Parmesan on the farm. Uh, Some of my neighbors suffered uh, uh, some form of trauma as children, which prevented their sense of humor from developing properly and found my choice of names for the chickens not so very funny. Those are the neighbors I look forward to haunting in my elephant costume after I die. I think it would be wonderful if my dog, Bocephus, joined me, possibly dressing as a penguin. I like her. (laughs) That's funny. That would be wonderful. Yeah. She's great. She is. I uh, I like that idea of naming the uh, the animals. Uh, I had a dog I named Broccoli Beef once. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and I'm not even making that up. Yep. And no, we didn't eat it. I just thought it would be a funny name for a dog. Broccoli was kind of just it was just kind of a funny name for a dog. And then it was like, oh, is it a middle name? And I blurted out Beef. God, I hadn't thought about her in a long time. Broccoli Beef. That was a rambunctious animal. She had so much energy. Energy. She just needed time spent with her, and, yeah. and it was just not happening yeah. at the time. That was an interesting animal. Uh, another letter that says, "Hey, Tony, the subject of ghost trains and cars. Perhaps the people are seeing uh, are are some are something that uh, some people call a time slip. Some scientists think that it's over. Over time is overlapped and occasionally rifts or tears into the fabric of time, uh, and it could appear." And one could actually see into the past or the future. Love your show, and I'll try to send my ghost stories and other encounters of the paranormal to your email as I don't Facebook or iTunes. Thank you, you guys rock. That's an interesting thought. I've heard of that concept before. That's interesting. Because, yeah, I've heard of, uh, what is it? Where is that patch of airspace where people continually... Is it over the Bermuda Triangle? It is. It's over the Bermuda Triangle. There's been stories of folks who've gone through that, uh, suddenly ended up over uh, pieces of land. Like, suddenly they're over Florida or over Cuba or something. Right. And they were not anywhere near there. And Like, we're talking like... Over 10 minutes of time where it should have been like an hour or two before they got there. Suddenly they go through it and bam. Right. When they go through some of these weird cloud type portals. I've heard stories of that sort of thing happening where it's not just bam, they're over land. I've heard of bam, they've landed and they've been in different times. Oh, wow. Like back in time. Really? And, and they 
take back off once they realize there's something not right, head back to where they came from. I think it was like an Unsolved Mysteries or something once. But uh, I've heard of those sort of stories. I don't know how legitimate they are. But you know, I've always wondered, you know how Flight 19 disappeared? Is that the one that uh, that was earlier this year that everyone seemed to pretend to care about and then no. suddenly disappeared? No. I think it was Flight 19. Let me Google it real quick. Um, it was... Let's see. Yeah, uh, Flight 19. It was five um, Avenger torpedo bombers that disappeared oh, yes, over yes, the yes, 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 Triangle. Yes. I've always wondered if possibly they somehow went to a different time, you know, because Uh the odds of five of them all disappearing at the same time, something happening to all five of them is just like astronomical, the odds of that, and never finding anything, Yeah, nothing. So I've always wondered if that might have been what happened. Didn't they play that up in like the Close Encounters movie later? They did, at the very beginning. Years later? Yep. That's funny. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting observation on like the ghost train idea. Let's go to another call before we go to another uh, one of our follow ups here uh, at uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in. If you have a real ghost story, we would absolutely love to share it. Hey, good morning, Tony. Um, good morning, Jenny. Can't forget you. Uh, this is Tim Z from Wilmington. I uh, I almost feel like apologizing for calling so much. I'm actually trying not to. <clears throat> um, I don't want to over overdo it or overstay my welcome, but I was just listening to an episode. I, I listen to almost every single episode here at work. Um, I work on a golf course. Um, but I'm just listening to the Shadow Plagued by Shadow People episode, and you just read a story of a caller, well, it was more of a comment, uh, not really a story, but from Rochester, New York, which is where I spent the first 20 years of my life, and talking about Mount Hope Cemetery. And actually, I was kind of just because I heard of where where the caller was from, and um, and I know that cemetery, my memories just started going while the story was going, so I have to go back and actually listen to it. But I think they were just saying that... Um, they just, it's a good place. They like to go. They like to take walks or whatever. So, but <clears throat> what I was just thinking, and it kind of almost gave me, not chills, but it just made me stop and actually call you and, and share this idea with you. But um, I commented, it was the call I had when I had such a terrible migraine, and I was calling about uh, the, the call from heaven, which turned out to be a telemarketer uh, with all the zeros after the, the one. That's what uh, was on the um, on the the phone, the readout, but um, that's where my mom, my mom passed away in a hospital. Um, If you may remember, she was in a coma and uh, actually passed away in the hospital. But what I'm getting at is I spent a lot of time looking out her window, which overlooked Mount Hope Cemetery. And I, it was just, it was a crazy snowstorm that came up through, and it was, I've been living in the South for 20 years, so <clears throat> I just wanted to take pictures of, of the snow and, you know, snowy landscape, how much it had been snowing and that stuff. But uh, what I'm thinking is I, I want to go back and look at those pictures and just see, it's a long stretch, I know, but just see if I happen to see any orbs or anything weird in that picture or in those pictures. I know I took, I don't know, maybe a half dozen 
but it was literally from the hotel room or a hotel room, excuse me, hospital room where my mom was staying while she was in the coma and looking down on Mount Hope Cemetery. So it's just kind of a weird thought and uh, thought you might be intrigued by it. I will try to go back and look at those pictures. There is um, there is a picture I do want to go back and, and dig up and then I'll, I'll look at it and tell you the story again, but something um, that there is an orb in and it was at my dad's uh, when he was getting married again after my mom had passed. So an orb in that picture while they're walking down the aisle. Huh. But uh, thanks, Tony. Thanks, Jenny. Appreciate what you're doing and uh, look forward to hitting pause and getting back to the episode. See you guys. What do you think the orb means when he's walking down the aisle? Is it the other wife going, get away from him? Or is it uh, like, I'm a, you go be happy? I, I'm betting there's an extra guest at the wedding yeah. who's probably there... Actually, I would imagine since she had passed that it it was a I'm happy for you kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I would if something happened to me, I would want you to go on and find somebody else. So I can only imagine that most other sane people want their uh-huh. significant other to be to happy. To be happy and not yeah. miserable. And right. Would you want to be the orb? Would you would you show up as an orb, though? I think Could you try and do a full body apparition if we ever end up in this situation? If I showed up in a full body apparition at your your wedding to whoever you're getting married to after I'm dead, there's no way you get married that day, is there? That would be pretty creepy. You wouldn't be that able would be, to do it. That would be awesome. So I would not do that to you. Okay. I think it'd be too hard. I wouldn't want to. How about watch you that. just stay alive until like uh, we're really old and I'm <laughs> I'm like physically incapable of marrying anyone else. <laughs> See what I can do. It's about just that. like oh, he's down in the hall watching reruns of some show called Frasier that was on like you know way back in the nineties. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what we, we can do. We had to hook up this thing called a DVD player for him to watch it, and it's just, <laughs> it's messed up. He gets really cranky, and he throws cats at people. If they, <laughs> um, anyhow. Um, uh, and another thing about, uh, I wanted to come in on his call. I'd love to see those pictures. It's going to be difficult to pick out orbs in a snow picture, though. Well, he didn't say it was snowing, that there okay. was just snow on the ground. Okay, because that's something that can be... I mean, Snow is a difficult thing when you're taking pictures in um, because it, it's very easy. And maybe it is just snow on the ground. Um, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, if there is, it is snowing. That's a difficult. It's very difficult because it's so easy to go, well, that doesn't look like snow. This is, you know, what is this or that? And that can be a lot of mind tricks on you when it is, in fact, just snow. Well, I remember but, somebody that caught some orb pictures in the snow. I do. Your parents, when they took... When they took Olivia to the park in Fond du Lac, uh-huh. you and I were out somewhere. I don't remember where we were, but yeah. they took her at night even, and it was snowing. They took her to see the lighthouse and the Christmas display that first time we went up there. Okay. And they took some pictures that had like really some orbs in it. I don't remember that one. Yeah. You don't remember that? I remember the picture that my mother took uh, shortly after my grandpa passed, and there well, that, was that an was, orb right above uh, Olivia. Yeah, that was just in April, though. Yeah. No, this was way back the first time we went up. This was right after we got married, like in 2010. Sure. So I don't remember that picture. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to see it. Do you have it? or does she I have don't it? have it. Okay. You'll have to, have to ask her. Yeah. 
Um, I'll check that out. 855-853-4802. Another uh, person writing in through YouTube saying, I live close to Pilgrim State in Kings Park. Pilgrim State is uh, in Brentwood, but uh, we have another old abandoned psych hospital 10 miles away in Kings Park, uh, which with uh, rundown buildings identical to Pilgrim State. Kings Park was basically Pilgrim State's sister site. When I was a kid, both hospitals were still partially up and running. Jeffrey Dahmer stayed at Kings Park for a bit. We grew up hearing horror stories about these hospitals from people who worked in them. Patients would scream at us when we uh, cut through the grounds to get uptown or to uh, our uh, uh, our middle school quicker. It's miles wide with many buildings. The top floors uh, were for the dangerous patients, but many patients would be released during the day. Many would wander around town rambling and cursing. We carried knives just in case. There's long tunnels under them uh, with things like chains on the walls. As teenagers, we used to dare each other to go investigating, and uh, it is the creepiest place I've ever seen. We always heard strange noises and uh, felt like we weren't alone. I've searched caves and old buildings in Iraq with bloody rape beds on the floor and whatnot, which were less creepy. Because of asbestos, it's uh, cheaper for the state to let both hospitals rot, so all ideas over the past two decades of what to do with them never made it to the drawing board. They're over a century old, and psychiatry was very inhumane, even up into the 50s. You can imagine the horrible things that went on there, the thousands of broken lives that passed through both hospitals. That's very interesting. And I've looked up some of those pictures online. That's a creepy looking building and it's like a towering building it kind of reminds me of the one that was in the in traverse city that's now been turned into what the hell is it like the traverse city commons or something yeah. something happy and benign and nice restaurant and shopping and <laughs> never mind these things on the wall that once held chains <laughs> yeah here have some foie gras um i do want to go there again though and see that place and not stay there i don't i don't know if you can stay there or not i don't know if it's been made into hotel rooms yet yeah but it's a huge complex but anyway it looked similar uh, because i showed you pictures of that one it looked similar sure so creepy nonetheless i can't imagine anything really good ever coming out of any building like that you know I, i understand repurposing buildings i love the idea of repurposing buildings and giving them some sort of new life um but I don't know. It almost just seems kind of wrong with some of those buildings. It does. And, you know, I understand what she was, I don't know if it's a she or he, but what they were saying mm-hmm. on that um, about with the asbestos, the cost to get rid of that. It's more than just tearing the building down and building a new one. It's yeah. ridiculous. So Somehow the one in Traverse City got around that or they didn't have asbestos. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was just pre-asbestos. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, because if, if that one in Traverse City was abandoned, you know, before. Yeah, I don't really know. Because that, that. If is, I remember right, I think it like operated up into the early 80s. Oh, so really? that, that would tell me asbestos was there. Or someone wealthy came in and just took... Or maybe it was accessible enough to get the asbestos out. I don't know. Mm. But, uh, again, it's just... Buildings like that with so much energy and so many... Just for what we know of what, you know, psychiatric care was... Right. When those buildings were in their heyday. Those were not happy facilities. Those were not good places. Mm. 
So, I don't know. I, I just, I, I got issue with it kind of turning into happy-go-lucky artisan shopping land. I agree. I'm not I, saying don't do it, but I, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I, I don't I don't like the idea. I don't think I'd be comfortable going there to have a nice sit-down meal. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go enjoy shopping time at the asylum. <laughs> I just don't find that sounding like a good time to me. Yeah. It's not relaxing. Yeah. Interesting. 855-853-4802 if you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us. Hi. Hello, uh, Tony and Jenny. Uh, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, wherever uh, I guess the recording uh, happens to take place. This is Joe, the demonologist and minister. Uh, quick story. I had my mother pass away seven years ago, which grieved me uh, immensely. Anyways, uh, the morning that she passed away, uh, I fell asleep really quick, quickly, and I woke up in the dream in the house, and she was sleeping in the chair. I mean, I'm sorry, she was she awoke in the chair, like she just you know because she passed away, it looked like she was in a deep sleep and confused, and she was in this old dress uh, she used to wear, sort of. And anyways, I went to say, "Mother, are you okay?" And she said, "Of course I'm okay. Why wouldn't I be?" And then I woke up. I think that was an acknowledgement to me. Also, in the same story, a month later, I was at the house. Me and my wife uh, were leaving, talking to my stepfather, and we left the door ajar and went around the corner of the house. And we're talking, and we heard the door slam. No wind, nothing. It shouldn't have shot. I examining the door. I was completely shut. And we left. And my stepfather called an hour later and he came back from weeding the yard and the door was open. We had three cats at the time, two of them were at the doorstep and the other one was looking out. My mother had a pet peeve of leaving the door open because of her cats. So that's never happened before. Anyways, along the same uh, topic as far as with entities changing clothing, there's a brewery in California. It escapes me at the moment, but anyways, it was Lady in Blue and there was a woman that actually showed her a different type of dress and then the next time she appeared she was in a different dress so the entity acknowledged and had intelligence of what it was observing and there was another individual that you were talking about a young man and his family that needs help please have them contact us we will help them we will help them get rid of it and doing cleansings i think the big and most important thing nowadays is since we know it's demonic they must acknowledge that Christ is the ultimate way of getting rid of it. And that's what we do. And it has worked successfully every time. And Jenny, I applaud you in getting that type of uh, degree and helping people also maybe with that type of top. Because as you know, there's young people growing up that were severely affected by these hauntings. And by them expressing it and getting acknowledgement, that they are indeed saying incredibly is very important and they can heal and move on. And another thing too, when the demonic entities attack people, they do it first on a psychological level. And the reason why they appear to most of these people is to scare them. And by scaring them, they're not going to have time to focus or think. So it's almost like a psych psychological warfare that's going on. So first in terrorism that they do, they psychologically affect them, and then comes the physical attacks afterwards. So anyways, um, enjoy your show. I hope I didn't ramble on too much. 
But anyways, you guys are awesome. Keep up the good work, and I think you have my information. Please have these people call us. We do not charge anybody, and I'm here 24-7. So anybody in the middle of the night needs to talk to me, all they do is call my number, and I will respond and talk to them. And it's confidential. We don't judge. We help. All right, guys. Uh, thank you again, and I will call in again uh, with another story. God bless. Bye-bye. All right, uh, and I do have uh, I do have his number. I'm not going to give it out here in the middle of the show, sir. Uh, but uh, Richard, if you are listening, because uh, Richard has called in um, uh, so many times, so Richard, if you'd like that information, I'd be happy to give it to you. Uh, just email me, Tony T O N Y at realghoststoriesonline.com, uh, and I will uh, I'll get you hooked up with uh, with his contact number so you can reach out to him. Uh, but you do need to email me directly because I don't want to just give his number out here, like I said, uh, on the air. Um, I'd but, like to have Joe on the show. Yeah, I think he'd be a really good guest mm-hmm. uh, to have on, because you know, we talk about these things so frequently. It's, it's always good to have some some expert insight into this for folks who've actually worked in the field and have, have seen some of these things firsthand, uh, you know, from start to finish. Um, and, yeah. and, and everything in between, you know, yeah. for lack of a better term. Um, but uh, thank you for uh, for calling in, and please do continue to call in and uh, and share your stories. Um, and that goes for everybody who calls in. Uh, you're, you're never wearing out your welcome. I'll say that. You know, yeah. we, we always uh, appreciate your stories. Um, as long as they're real, we're happy to hear them. Exactly. <laughs> you, know? you know, I don't want people to start making up stories just to get on the air. But um, if you got some real stories, we would love to hear them. You can call in as, as frequently uh, as you would like. 855-853-4802 is, of course, that phone number to call in with your real ghost story. Jenny writes in, uh, hi, my name is Jenny. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Had a lot of weird experiences living in a haunted house, but the one I'm going to share with you today is about the house my sister moved into in 2000. Things first started with my nephew, who was a little over a year old at the time, waking up every night around the same time screaming. No one could figure out why. As he started to get older, he started talking about his friend, Peter. Our family knew no one named Peter. My nephew would talk about the two of them playing in his room together. We didn't think too much about it, you know, children and their imaginations. Then we started to see and hear strange things like toys moving in the toy box. The bathroom door would open and close repeatedly with no one upstairs and my sister's bed sliding across the floor. Then about a year later, my nephew suddenly stopped talking about Peter. When we asked why he didn't talk about Peter anymore, he said Peter was mean to him and he doesn't want to play with Peter anymore. He then said he didn't like the eyes that watch him from the closet. Once a year, about the same day and time every year, we would hear a woman screaming in the house. We finally asked a psychic to come out to the house, someone we knew personally, but knew nothing about the house or our experiences in it. She walked in the door, immediately looked at the top of the steps and said, Who is he? We asked who she was talking about, to which she replied, The little boy, he's right there. She went upstairs and straight to my nephew's room. She told us... He hides in the closet and watches. We then asked about a woman we heard. She told us that it was the boy's mother screaming from when she found her son dead in his room. He had apparently been very ill for some time and succumbed to his illness. The psychic then asked us if my nephew woke up crying. We said yes, to which she said, that's the boy, Peter, uh, who was waking uh, up the baby. She told us to repaint the room and that that should help. 
Now, when my sister moved in, it was already painted blue with a kid's border around the room, and we thought it was perfect at the time. We did fix the room after the psychic suggested it, and after that, Peter left my nephew alone. That was until my niece, who had a lot of medical issues, when she came along. She was in and out of the hospital often and was required to be on a feeding tube that would feed her all day. And at night, she would get hooked up to her pump in her room. We would constantly find her pump unplugged or her tube unplugged from the pump. It would drop her her blood sugar. Another day, we came back to my sister's house from some shopping. And as we pull up to the house, we could see every window and her front door were opened. We called the neighbor to come over to check out the house for us. After we searched the home, we found no one was inside and nothing was missing. On another occasion, my sister and her husband were arguing, then suddenly the paint on every door just fell and hit the floor as if someone scraped it all off at the same time. Another day, we stopped at her house to pick up bathing suits for the kids, She went in the back door. I stayed outside. Just happened to look up in her kitchen window. There was a man with long, curly, dark hair and a mustache. Could not have been my sister. She has short, blonde hair. I ran to the door and yelled to her to get out of the house. Someone was in there. She came running out immediately, called the neighbor again. He came right over and searched the house, but again, he couldn't find anything or anyone. Then I remembered her counter and sink were under the window. But this guy's face was very close to the window, close enough to see the mustache and the details of the curls in his hair. It was impossible for anyone to get that close to the window. They continued living in that house until 2005, but before they moved out, my friends, my husband, and myself did an investigation there and captured some interesting things on camera. I'd love to send you some of the images we captured, but unfortunately, I cannot figure out how to attach them uh, in this program. If you can tell me the easiest way to submit the photos, I'd love for you to see them. Well, you email them to us because she's just sent it in through her form. There's no real attachment option there. So, you can email them by going, uh, just emailing Tony, T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com and then we can uh, put those images up uh, in our gallery section. So, the woman screaming every year at the same time, is that like the residual energy that replays over and over? That one sounds like it is, but it sounds like these other things are very conscious. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there's a, a few things going yeah. on there. It sounds like there's a lot that's involved in that that house, and not all of it sounding all that good. I mean, when, when you have something that's actively trying to harm the, the child, I mean, if you're pulling feeding tubes out and unplugging things that are there to keep her alive, I, mean, I suppose that could be a mischievous not good person uh, or it could be something demonic I mean it, my, I, I, I guess I want to hesitate on going automatically demonic you would think that would be the case but it could just also be a real asshole ghost here's what I was thinking when I heard that a lot of times when you bring a new kid home mm-hmm. the kid that lives there already you know the sibling We'll do things to it out of either spite spite or jealousy. Yeah. It almost kind of reminded me of that, of like, oh, there's a new kid here. Well, I'm going to do what I can to make little sister go away. Yeah. Even though they weren't related, you know. Yeah. And if you're a little kid in life, I mean, you're not necessarily... 
a little kid probably really wouldn't understand necessarily how important that feeding tube is. Sure. Or how important it is to keep those things plugged in. Um, a human little kid would not. Um, and if you're assuming you're on the same intelligence level in death, if you're a ghost kid, uh, you wouldn't understand that either. And it may not necessarily be as dark as it may be coming across as pulling a feeding tube out. It may just be a mischievous kid, exactly like you just said. Well, and two, the other side of that is that, you know, if, if the child's being hooked up to a pump that operates through the night, you know, that's an electrical thing, you know, and we know that sometimes they are attracted and like to mess with or, or you know, with electrical things. So it might just be out of curiosity that that's happening instead of malice. Sure. I think that makes a lot of sense because... I, it was hard to get a, a read on what it was, if it, or if it was something dark, or you know exactly what you just said. Now the the man with the mustache and the curly hair, I don't know who that is. I, that just sounds creepy. Yeah, I have no idea. I ghost, it's ghost to catch a predator. That's where you need to get <laughs> Chris Hansen in there. Yeah. And so you are haunting. Why don't you sit down and have a little bit of sweet tea with us? And uh, what's in your what's in that uh, pocket of yours? Those ghost condoms? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny Brisky. My name is Matthew, and I live in Denver, Colorado. I wanted to start by saying that I love the show. I love your guys' insight on the paranormal and ghosts and and all that good stuff. Um, My ghost story started when I was visiting Riverside Cemetery here in Denver, Colorado. Now, Riverside Cemetery is uh, one of the oldest cemeteries in Denver, Colorado, one of the oldest historical cemeteries in Denver, Colorado, aside from Fairmont Cemetery. Fairmont is another cemetery in Denver, Colorado. Uh, it's the biggest cemetery the side of, of the, river, uh, of the uh, Mississippi River. Um, but anyway, back to uh, Riverside Cemetery. Um, I was visiting there, and um, I was walking through, looking at all the old graves, and um, I was standing there, and um, I got this strong scent of uh, an old lady's perfume. Uh, it's, it, was, it was so strong, you know, and nobody was in the cemetery at the time. I was the only visitor in the cemetery, except for the, uh, the, ad, the, um, the people who operate the cemetery, that they were in the office. I was way out in the cemetery, just wandering the cemetery. And um, anyway, I was standing there, and I just got this strong scent of old lady's perfume. I don't know where the hell it came from. There's nobody else in the cemetery. I was the only one there. So, but it, it only lasted for about maybe a few seconds, and then it, and then it went away. But um, I, I just thought it was really strange, because I was the only one there. But um, anyway, I know it's not necessarily a ghost story, but I just thought it was really strange that that happened. So... But, uh, but yeah, that was kind of a strange experience for me. You know, Riverside is, uh, is very, very old. It was founded in 1876 with more than 67,000 people buried there, including 1,000 veterans, and most of them were Denver pioneers from the pioneer times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was my, that's my story, you know. And uh, as, as far as the whole 
uh, ghosts and demons thing go. You know, I'm I'm a Christian. And I was brought up to believe that there was no such thing as uh, as ghosts, only demons pretending to be loved ones who have passed away. And in order to trick us, they pretend to be somebody who we loved. But I don't believe that to be the case at all. I believe that there are good spirits, bad spirits, angels, demons, and I also do believe that there is purgatory. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, but please keep up the great work. I love the show, and I do have uh, some more stories I'd like to share with you, but they're from my sister. So she has a lot of stories from back in her day. So if you want me to uh, let me know if you want to hear them or not. Um, I love the show. Keep on doing what you're doing. It's great. Um, I also wanted to comment in on the whole Ouija board deal. Some people say, oh, well, it's just a game. It's, you know, it's, it's not, it's harmless. That's not the case because my sister played with one and it is not a game. You are opening a door to, and you don't know what the hell you're letting in. It's not a game. Don't even try it. Even if there's slightest curiosity, you might as well be playing with fire because that's what it is. So, but anyway, love the show. And uh, Tony, I had a question for you. Um, I know the, uh, a couple episodes ago you were talking about Unsolved Mysteries uh, with Robert Stack. But uh, there was another show I watched. There's another show I watched that's kind of similar to Unsolved Mysteries. It's called Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. I don't know if you've ever seen the show before, but it's uh, it's pretty similar. It has a bunch of weird stories, and it's your call to see if they're fact or fiction. So uh, the show ran from ni- 1997 to 2002. It's it's my favorite TV show, and it's still on today. So. But uh, thanks for taking my call. I love the show. I'm subscribed, and I've told some other people about it. So um, thank you. Bless you. Bye. Thank you for the uh, the call and uh, and sharing your stories. And yes, you are always welcome to uh, call in and share more of your stories. And yes, we would love to uh, to hear more of them. I do remember that show. That was my unsolved mysteries. That was the one we sat down on Friday nights, yeah. had pizza, and watched. I loved that. Was that a Friday night show? It was for a while, and then I think it changed. It to was like a Sunday night show too. That's how I remember it. I remember it being a Sunday night show back way back. Like it was Erie, Indiana. Type. Yeah, that when that was a show, yeah, I, it was like that was on Erie, Indiana was on, and there was some X other Files was on, yeah, yeah. That was a great block of fun programming. It was. I loved that show, and it was amazing to me how many times I was wrong, <laughs> you know, because I was like, oh, surely that can't be true. You got to pick because that was a tough one. Because yeah. sometimes, you, sometimes it was easy to pick it out. It was usually the ones that you would really least expect. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a very good show. I, I would love to find it. Wonder if that one's like on Netflix or something like that. I don't know. I have to check that out. Yeah, that would be a good one to. Uh, and it was that one was one that wasn't too crazy or scary. Well, like some, we could watch it with our kids. Well, sometimes there were some ghost ones. I think yeah. would scare the kids. There were others that yeah. that weren't that might be okay. But I don't know. I remember being in high school and I loved it. Yeah. 
be worth uh, worth looking into to see if we can uh, we can find that. One more letter before we wrap things up. Joanne writes in, uh, Hi, Tony and Jenny. Love your show. I'd like to share my story with you. Started when I was 18. Not a happy home. I never wanted to be there. My stepdad was big trouble. So this one day at about uh, 2130 at night, I was still out at a friend's house. My mother and teenage sister were at home. When they noticed a young girl outside uh, our front gate looking lost. After a while, there was a knock at the door. The two dogs started to go nuts. Mother went to get to the door, and at once my mother could see that the child was wearing a white nightdress and had bare feet and must have been about five or seven years old with long blonde hair. My mother uh, asked if she could help. The child then asked, where is Joanne? My mother said uh, she didn't know. And the dogs went nuts again. My mother turned to check the dogs. When she turned back, the girl was gone. I think the message was more for my mother, as my mother uh, said uh, she didn't know where her uh, children, or my mother didn't uh, care where her children are. Years later, when I was 29, I I started uh, work in a care home for old people. I was working alone. But at 2100 hours, I was tucking a lady into bed when she asked me who the child was standing next to me. I said, uh, uh, never mind, miss, get to sleep. Then I walked to the other end of the unit to check another lady. Must have been about a 20-second trip. I entered the room and uh, paddled away a table for her bed so I could be closer to her. And as I uh, said goodnight to her, she said, that's a pretty little girl with you. I felt love and a strange charmness around me. She was then seen again a week later as I helped a lady into a chair who could also see her. I asked this lady, what did the child look like? She said she's about six or seven, blonde hair, white dress. Sounds like the very same child who came to my house all those years ago. I've never seen her, though, at least not yet. I wonder if she's taking care of me. Thank you for reading my story. That sounds more like a guardian angel kind of thing to me. Yeah, or or could it be uh, a ghost child? You know, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. And and uh, the person who wrote the letter didn't want to believe that they existed, but could it be a ghost child who found a relationship or found comfort following this person around and kind of becomes a guardian angel, you know, but at the same point... Um, you know, the the human is almost, without her knowing it, there for the ghost as much as a ghost could be there for the human. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just a thought. It, it's an it's an interesting observation, and interesting where you've been talking about uh, hospice homes and nursing homes, where people tend to or the the residents, uh, from what we've gathered and many many stories, uh, tend to have a bit more vision of seeing the other side than us young folks do. That's. Yeah, we've been talking about that. I find that yeah. interesting. And that multiple people in that same home, it was just one person or someone who was necessarily about to die. Right. All saw the same person. Mm-hmm. That's that's very, very interesting. I guess the lesson is when you go ghost hunting, you need to bring elderly people with you. That's not nice. <laughs> you need to make ghost hunting more accessible to the wheelchair bound. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. I, if I'm old and I discover I'm seeing more dead people or I'm, I'm more sensitive and I'm, I'm able to be open to that, I'd be all about ghost hunting more frequently. I think that could be really interesting. 
no. I now can't. every ghost hunting crew is going to run out there and try and recruit someone from a nursing home. You know what I worry about? I don't want to get into ghost hunting or anything because... I don't want anything following you. That, I, you know, I wonder how much they network. I know this is going to sound silly, but how much ghosts talk, you know? And if we're helping people, they're going to get mad at us. Like, oh, those are the people who are trying to figure out what we're doing. And, yeah. yeah. Their battle, gr- battle cry will be, remember Dish Lady. <laughs> so. I don't know. I, I, um, I'm intrigued by the ghost hunting folks, and I applaud the folks who go out there and do it. But I don't really want to get too involved in that. I mean, it's one thing if, you know, to go around on a ghost tour or a walk every now and then. But um, I, I've never been one to go, yeah, I really want to camp out at that place with all these detectors all night and go into the asylum and catch things. I think you're open. Again, I think it's almost Ouija-ish, yeah. if you will. Um you know, I, I, I think, because a lot of times you are asking for them to come out and speak, and you're using a different device. You may not be using a Ouija board. You're using whatever the hell you're using. Um, and we're going to get coming at you. And a lot of times, and I've heard it, too, from, from some, you know, cases of ghost hunters uh, where they can, they'll follow you back home. And there's been torment in a lot of people's lives who are really big into that profession, um, and the the darkness that can uh, surround them uh, from being so into it. I don't have any desire to go ghost hunting, not because I'm a big chicken, which I am, but because I don't have any doubt that there's ghosts out there, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I'm you, not going to go to the mall to verify there's people. Yeah, or verify that there's stores. Yeah. Although sometimes, depending on the mall, you do need to do that to go, oh, there are still stores in this mall. <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't feel the I much I get much more out of it hearing people's stories and, and helping them with yeah. what they're dealing with. I'd rather just kind of be the facilitator of the conversation. Yeah. Because like, what we're doing now. Rather than jumping out there. Yeah. And do it. It's more interesting. You know? It's kinda we're kinda like football commentators. We don't need to be playing the game to, to get, get out yeah. to get a lot of out of it. Yeah. I uh, I one hundred percent completely uh, completely agree. All right, uh, that does it for today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you have a real ghost story, please share with us. Phone number is 855-853-4802. We would absolutely love to hear it. Uh, Share the show on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. Pin the episodes. It helps us grow a lot. Uh, And, of course, if you want that bonus episode, we'd love to give it to you. Just give us a positive review there on iTunes. Email me back, Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com with your username, what you used, and I'll reply back with the bonus episode for you. That's how it works. So until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.